And as small creators or small artists, get those deals and build those deals because there's no better way to make extra money than to work with brands because you're helping the brand, you're helping yourself, usually getting free gear, you're probably getting paid, and it looks really good on your resume. And it's a lot of fun. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artist makers and content creators where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, I'm at MikeBone, or on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. Hey, I'd love for you to stop by DailyCreativeHabit.com. I've created several resources with you in mind as a creative person. First, there's a link to our free private Facebook group, called Daily Creative Habit. It is filled with creatives of all types who have raised their hands to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. And so if that's you, we would love to see you as part of this group. There's also a link to receive our free Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. This goes out twice a week and is filled with resources and inspiration and daily prompts for you as a creative person to make sure that you keep showing up every single day for your creativity. And lastly, there's a link out to the new Daily Creative Habit Guided Creativity Journal. And this is something that I'm really excited about because it's a 90-day journey that you can go on that guides you to plan and show up for your creativity and help you track and help you measure and figure out exactly what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. This is available right now through Amazon.com. You know, every once in a while, you meet somebody who you know you're just going to click with. And that was the case with my friend Derek Frank. Uh, We both have the same warped sense of humor, and um, we just really hit it off real well. Um, And you'll hear that in our conversation today. Uh, Derek is a great guy with a great heart. Uh, he does some pretty amazing things, not only in the things that he creates, uh, he's got music as a background, but he, he the way he thinks, uh, I love that he looks to identify areas that overlap with the things that we create and big brands and companies who are creating other things and where there might be some alignment and some partnerships that can happen. And he's got a real special gift to be able to do that. And he's got a resource that he talks about at the end of our chat. I want to make sure that I highlight that because that is something that you're going to want to get your hands on because it's free, first off. And second of all, uh, it will start getting you thinking about who can you partner with in the things that you're creating and make a bigger impact. And so I'm going to get out of the way. And here is my creative chat with Derek Frank. Well, Derek, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. Dude, thanks for being here, man. It's so good to be here. And uh, thank you for being so patient. I know we had some tech issues, so it's great that you're here and and you're, you know, I'm the tech guy. So the fact that I have the issues and that you're being so patient is just, it's comforting. Hey, man, this is real life, you know, and I'm glad that, you know, the listeners get a chance to hear this too, because so many times we put other people in categories or on pedestals and where they don't belong. And it's like, at the end of the day, dude, we're all just having tech issues. We're all just having things that we need to figure out. So um, it normalizes everybody. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It does feel good though. Like, you know, being with another creative person that understands that frustration of, 
when you're having those issues that it, it is okay. It's, it's yes. more than fine. We'll always figure it out. Yeah. And that's part of the creative process sometimes, right? It's, it's creative problem solving, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, well, that's the name of the game. Yeah, totally. Um, and so uh, before we dive in too deep here, the listeners are already getting a little, a little chance to get to know the fact that we know each other. Uh, mm -hmm. We just hung out at a conference and uh, we run in some of the same circles there with some creative entrepreneur friends. Um, and so when somebody, you know, you're introducing your somebody, you're at a party or wherever, and they're like, hey, Derek, who? Nice to meet you. What do you do? What's your story? What do you say? What's your line? Uh, I am a perpetual creative person, and <laughs> that just stems from my upbringing and at an early age of just being the kid that had to have the most attention. And <laughs> and I generally got it. And whether it was through, it was usually through positive means, but sometimes, you know, that class clown aspect came into play. So there was some negativity, but I just, I think I was born to perform and to talk and to engage people. Mm. Yeah, I love that. So you fully embrace that and um, embody that, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> love or hated, but never ignored. Yes. Did you come out of the womb with like the spotlight and like a top hat and a cane? <laughs> it was. It was definitely out of the womb. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where my dad is a musician. Mom is in the choir for church. And every opportunity was one for me to to be on stage and they encouraged it so it probably made it a little bit worse because of how supportive they were yeah but that's a gift right i mean you know to have people around you family who are saying yeah go for this like if this is something you want to pursue um nothing is impossible um and and they're modeling things for you right yeah exactly so what was the the really like the first time that you picked up an instrument or that you, you remember engaging with that part of you like what did that look like well my dad was always the musician that was playing in bands that like when there was a, a big local or a big national touring act and they needed a local support my dad was usually in the band that was going to be opening for him so i spent an early age on the side of the stage and i remember being like you know, 10, 11 years old, hanging out with Grand Funk Railroad and Pat Benatar while my dad's on stage. And then I go to school the next week and thought, oh, that's normal. Every kid does that. And <laughs> but, you know, they didn't. So then when I was um, right around four, my dad had a drummer that owed him money. And he was like, all right, well, you're not getting your drum set back till you pay me back. And so that got set up in our basement. And I started playing drums at four. And, you know, little kids just beat on stuff. But it was like apparent that I actually had rhythm and I could do things. So it got to the point where right around the time I was like seven or eight years old, I got put in drum lessons and it was all over from there. Mm, wow. That's pretty tremendous. I mean, to be able to have that opportunity and to, again, parents who encourage that. I mean, most parents are like, oh, please stop the noise, stop the banging. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. But they saw something in you and said, you know what, we need to nurture this. Um, that's a gift completely. Yeah, absolutely. And having those that support system from my family was one of those things where as I got older, and you heard people from the outside when I was like, well, I'm going to be a musician or I want to work with music or I want to work with drums. I want to build drums. I want to sell drums, whatever it was. They always told me that that was a real thing. So when other people started clouding that of well, what else are you going to do? You need to have a real job or a fallback. 
they didn't push that agenda on me. So it was a lot easier to kind of navigate my path as a creative with having that support system. Yeah, that that really is, I mean, tremendous because so many times I talk to people and their story is one of, and someone stepped in and derailed the whole thing for me. They discouraged my dream. They told me I wasn't good enough. They told me that wasn't the quote responsible thing or, you know, whatever that looked like for them. And that was a moment where they closed the door. But for you, it sounds like you just went full steam ahead. And um, what did that look like in terms of like you, you know, you're in high school and it's like, okay, that time of like, hey, what is your career path going to look like and the choices you make for school or not school or all those things like talk us through a little bit of like what that journey looked like. Yeah, well, I was, you know, like president of the choir and and like the big guy in band and was so into it and music scholarships were on the table. So everybody in like the school system was like, well, you should go to college. And even my parents wanted me to go to college because they wanted me to have those opportunities with the the degree which that's a whole nother thing in my mind right um i'm i'm not a huge supporter of necessarily going to college but i so i went and i went to teach because i loved teaching i really and i still love to teach I, um it's it's a core value of mine but what i realized in college was like it wasn't there to nurture me as a musician as an artist it was just to get you through the system and I struggled so hard with losing myself and my artistic ability to try to get this dream of becoming, or maybe not even a dream, but like the safe bet of being a teacher of like, you've got that easy job or that not easy, definitely not easy being a teacher, but you have that tenured position where it's safe. And the more I got into it, the more I realized it wasn't me. So I finished my degree and I got into music and started working in the industry in a lot of different facets, but I realized playing in a band and performing was really my end game at the time. So I pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally, my wife was like, you know what? You're the big fish in the small pond. You're not going to be happy and fulfilled if you stay this way. We need to move. So we moved to Nashville. Hmm. And that I'm sure opened up a lot more opportunities and possibilities for you just being in that environment, right? Yeah, of course. And that was where I, I mean, I started networking a lot when I still lived in Illinois, but it really blossomed when I moved to Nashville because you're in the room where it happens. And when you have that opportunity to be next to somebody who thinks the way you do and has felt the things that you felt and has done the things that you want to do. It's easier to rise above that and manifest your career path or your journey. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I've heard some other people talk about the importance of creative communities and how, you know, even as you look through history, there were these communities that arose around certain, you know, authors or artists, uh, musicians, where they were in the midst of other people. And there was like, several of those people became well-known people for their field because they fed off of each other, right? I mean, you think of like C.S. Lewis and um, and Tolkien, right? That meeting and writing and and spurring each other on and and going like, hey, I want to speak into what you're doing and you're going to speak into what I'm doing and, and we're going to make each other better in the process as opposed to, well, I'm kind of out here on my own. Nobody really understands what I do. Nobody understands the context or, or even that this is a real thing, right? It's like, oh, that's, you know, not 
nice hobby you have there, right? Um, <laughs> um, so just surrounding yourself with people who are like, no, actually, we're going to do this and we're going to do this together, uh, I'm sure is is really something that that helps you get traction much quicker, right? It definitely does. And even in like the more actually very recent history with meeting you and meeting people at the thing, it, I was starting to really struggle because the job I had, I really loved the job, but I didn't love the, the company as much. Um, and, and I was just looking for something different. So when I met you and, and several of the other people, I finally had a group of people that wanted to connect with me, not because I worked in the music industry and I could introduce them to famous people or get them free products. It was that support system that I really needed. And I didn't realize how much I needed it. Mm, yeah. And once that happened and once I saw that and people were genuinely wanting to help me grow, I started to get my spark back. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a big difference between surrounding yourself with people who, you know, are on their own journey and everybody's like very open handed and wanting to help each other. And then also surrounding yourself with people who maybe have a little bit more of a hidden agenda of like, hey, what can you do for me? Right. Like what 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 is it? How, what doors can you open for me? Because it seems like you've got some things that I need. And um, and I think that's definitely something to be careful about and wise with who you surround yourself with and who you give access to. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm sure now, like getting back to the, the particulars of you being in Nashville, being around these people, um, having these opportunities, you know, you're you're living the dream right you're you're pursuing you're you're playing you're and so is what happens then is it like you go uh you're dreaming about what the next iteration of this is is there struggle involved like it was definitely a struggle so i i got the opportunity shortly after moving to nashville to help open the nashville school of rock and i was the general manager there for three years so like you think the movie school of rock it actually yeah. The movie came from the school it was originally the Paul Green School of Rock, then became a corporate thing. And we had one of the best programs in the country. Obviously, it's Nashville. We've got the best teachers and we've got every famous person and manager and artist kids there. And I loved it. I was in the commercial side where it wasn't the public school system. I was teaching. I was working with rock music. If I if some bad words slipped out, it wasn't a problem. I wouldn't have to go <laughs> talk to the principal. Um, and it was great. But it was there was still some other things that I was missing. And that was a lot of the performing where I was performing, but not the way I wanted. So I made an album and I had the opportunity to tour full time. So I did. And I loved it for a while. And then I realized like I was doing a lot of casinos and fairs and different things. And I realized quickly that people weren't going to see Derek Frank. They were going to see the band from Nashville. And it became kind of soul sucking and draining and I got burnout. So I started like thinking, okay, I do like working on the, the business end of the music industry. How can I do that and still have that creative aspect that I don't lose everything? And so that's when I got into being an artist relations manager. And originally I went into the, I started with the company I was at and was in the sales department and it was like, okay, my wife's like, do it for six months. If you hate it, you can go back out on the road. And I'm like, great, six months, I'm going to be back on the road because I'll have, you know, I'll get off the road and then I'll get my my spark back again. Um, 
But I was there and I, I loved it. I ended up really enjoying it. And then I got promoted into artist relations. And that's where I got to work with so many huge, amazing artists and influencers. And I found that my creativity worked through them and through social media and marketing and building up other people. And for the really the first time I noticed that what was great about me wasn't that I was a teacher or wasn't that I was a musician is that I was there to help other people grow. And I'm really good at doing that. Mm, yeah. That's, that's awesome because that experience gave you the lens to be looking at yourself probably more holistically and saying like, okay, instead of going real deep in something and going, this is what this looks like for my creativity, backing things up and going, well, you know what, there's actually other ways that this can come out, um, which I think is really important. I had this conversation with somebody today, actually, where we were talking about this and, and going like, you know, for me early on, it was easy for me to identify myself as a visual artist, but there's so much more to me than just that aspect of creativity. And yet I felt like I was trying to juggle too many different creative expressions and they were competing with each other until I finally got to that place where I realized like, oh, you know what, actually I'm a communicator and I just love to communicate sometimes through visual art, sometimes through things like this, the podcast and spoken word, sometimes writing and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and once I realized that I could be free to move in and out of these different places uh, and even sometimes different seasons of my life and didn't feel like it was competing or that if I was, you know, neglecting one thing at the, you know, the cost of, of because I'm focusing on something else right now in this season. Um, so when you're in this place of doing this, um, you know, uh, artist relation stuff, can you, can you talk a little bit more about like, in case somebody doesn't really know what that looks like, um, you know, you mentioned social media and just kind of interacting, but like yeah. breaking that down a little bit more, like how does that actually help somebody? Yeah. So what my role was, so I worked for a company that made music instruments and I represented five different major brands of instruments. And what my job was, was to work with the artist and the company on a marketing goal. And that marketing was of course, to sell product. But when you're working with artists and influencers, it's like herding cats. It's not, <laughs> it's not like you call them and you're like, Hey, I need you to make a video or I need a picture or I need something that I can use for marketing with your likeness or with you that we can push in ads or however we're going to do it, whatever medium we were using, you have to really hold their hands. And then you learn really quickly the self-doubt that creatives have where they seem very confident. And I noticed this in myself too, where you seem confident and like you can do anything. You can be on stage in front of 10,000 people and have no problem. But when it comes to making a video testimonial and just different things where you're actually exposing yourself like that, it becomes so crippling. And my job that I didn't even realize was part of the job was to comfort these people and to give them that leadership and to give them that drive to do this stuff, to not only help my brand and, and the company I worked for, but to help them grow. Because if we work together, both grew together. And that's why it was really successful because I, I was from the artist side and I was from the corporate side. So I was able to identify both needs and mix them together in a way that helped everybody. 
Mm, yeah. Yeah. I love that because you're, you're tapping into those different parts of yourself, your different experiences and going, okay, here's the value I can bring and here's how I can show up and help other people. Um, and, and I'm sure that afforded you some pretty tremendous opportunities too, right? It did. It did. Um, I know like there's, I don't post a lot of pictures with me and artist, but there are a few out there that I'm pretty proud of because one of my policies for myself, it wasn't a corporate thing. It was just uh, a standpoint that I had that I never asked an artist to take a picture with me because I felt that was too self-serving. Although I wanted them, trust me, I wanted them. Um, but if an artist asked me, I would absolutely do it. Um, but you know, there was, there's, um, my famous voicemail that I play for almost everybody. It's like my prized possession. I got a voicemail from Steven Tyler and it was so cool because I had sent him some instruments during the pandemic. And I thought ahead of like, okay, Steven Tyler, they, they were harmonicas and he plays harmonica, but he's a musician and he forgets things. So like, if he gets creative, he wants to play it right then and there. So I sent him enough harmonicas to put like several in every room of his house. <laughs> And he loved that. So he, he, he sent me a voicemail and the same day I got that voicemail, I got my first ever hole in one. So it, it was all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh yeah. man. So, um, you're, you're in this track of doing this stuff, right? And so you're, you're obviously, like I said, we're, we're all in this track of evolving as creative people and as an artist. And we, we hit these places where they're, um, you know, forks in the road or, or places where we feel like, you know what, I've either stopped growing or there's some change that's happened and now I need to level up to something else, or there's another iteration of what it is that I'm doing, who I am. Um, talk us through a little bit more, like, what does that look like now for you? Yeah. So the pandemic of course was scary for everybody. And before three weeks before the pandemic hit, the tornado hit in Nashville. And it missed my house by a mile and it was coming straight for our house. And, you know, who knows what would have happened, but it, it did like a full right turn. But it missed my office that I worked at by like 100 yards. And then it leveled the three buildings next to us. Mm -hmm. so we couldn't even get in the building for three weeks or for two weeks. And we started working from home. Well, we already knew people were starting to get sick. Some stuff was happening. And I'm thinking... There, there was rumors that tours were going to get canceled, all of this stuff. And I'm like, who is the first person on staff that's going to get cut when there's no tours? And it's the artist guy. That would be me. So I'm like, how do I make it so they can't fire me? Or what, what value can I add that they just cannot get rid of me? And that was being live online with all of the artists. And so I started calling all of our artists. I'm like, hey, I'm doing podcasts and vlogs for all of our channels, what day can you be on? Great. And I was doing 20 hours a week live. It wow. was madness, uh, but it was wonderful. We, we got to do so many great things. And then that just, it set us three weeks ahead of schedule with the pandemic. Cause by the time we got back in the office, we were in for one week, everything shut down. So we already had this platform going out of desperation, but it put us ahead of our competition and it kind of made what we were doing, the model for other brands. So I saw friends in the industry losing their jobs or getting furloughed or whatever while we were growing. And that was when it, it kind of like snapped and the light bulb turned on of like, 
I can use this medium of tell, letting people tell their story and showing them and teaching them how to use social media to grow their brand while also, again, helping my brand. And that's when I really started to realize that I wanted to do that more, um, more so than work for a, a company, more so than just hang out at concerts all the time. I wanted to build my own, you know, my own brand really for the first time outside of being a musician. And that was to teach people how to grow and communicate that that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Derek, because as I, as I think about the things that you've told me and things I know about you in your experiences and your jobs and the different career path, there's this sense of partnership that keeps coming back around to things. Right. So if it was in a band, you're in a you're in a partnership, obviously, with people who are in the mm -hmm. band because you need to play together. You're a team. You're a unit. Um, and then even in a teaching environment, there's partnership with, you know, teacher and student and class and, and you know, the the um, the organization <clears throat> and then artist relationships, obviously. Right. You're partnering with the artists and, and all these different pieces that I see and hear you talk about. Um, it's interesting that it's it's this collaboration it's this partnership right and so i'm wondering like do you have something that's maybe this isn't even something you've written down but just even mentally or intuitively think okay here's what makes a good partnership or a good collaboration yeah it's so interesting you say that because as i've been developing this i've realized that branding and getting brand deals is what i can give the most value to people because when I was an artist, I got all kinds of endorsement and brand deals. And even when I was working and the guy that gave out endorsement and brand deals, I was still getting them for myself, for my personal channels. And I, I'm not, I don't have a huge following online. I have a, a good one, but not massive. But for the amount of deals that I was getting, it was like almost alarming. Like, how does he do this? And I had artists that were working with me through our company that were like, hey, do you know anybody at this brand? Can you help me? And it's like, it's not necessarily that you know them. It's you have to know what to say and what to do. So I started developing my own method of how to do that and how to help people. And as small creators or small artists, get those deals and build those deals because there's no better way to make extra money than to work with brands because you're helping the brand, you're helping yourself, usually getting free gear, you're probably getting paid. And it looks really good on your resume. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and like, yeah. right, like what I, five minutes before we started, I got two giant boxes from a company that I'm going to start working with. And I was like, wasn't expecting them today because of the holidays. And that excitement is what keeps driving me to keep doing it. So it is, it's always funny though, because people are like, well, you don't have that many followers. How do you get brand deals? Like, it, like almost like a, how do you do it? You shouldn't get right. it. It's like, well, let me teach you. I can teach you to get it. I've gotten brand deals for people that have under a thousand followers on Instagram. Hmm. Yeah. Because it's all about adding that value and seeing that perspective of what you can give. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I, this is definitely an area where <laughs> we're going to talk more offline about this stuff. <laughs> definitely. Because I've already got ideas for you. Oh yeah, totally, totally. And that is, you know, speaking personally, this has been a, an area where I've definitely had interest and 
had a bit of a like, I'm not really sure what the next steps are. You know, I've got pieces such as the podcast and I've got daily creative habit newsletter and some other things. And, you know, there are some people that I've approached, um, but I'm sure that there's a, a certain methodology and, and a way of approaching it that is more successful than others, I will say. Um, and it's interesting because I think as I've even talked to some other creative people and the conversation of sponsorships or partnerships comes up, there's usually either one of two things. It's either, yes, that would be amazing, but I don't know how to do that. And I don't feel like I have enough followers and et cetera, et cetera, like you said, or the other side of it is like, you know, I'm the artist, I'm the creative, I, you know, I don't want to soil myself with such things of, you know, going commercial and selling out and, and whatever, whatever, you know, they're the people who are like shaking their heads when they hear a certain song on a, on a commercial and they're like, you know, they sold out, you know? Yeah. And I hear a lot of that and, and people have asked me the same thing. Well, if you're like, I do a lot of like conflicting brands or competitive, competitive brands and people are like, well, how does that work out? I'm like, well, I tell all of the brands that I'm going to give my honest opinion on everything. And I give every brand that I personally work with the opportunity to say, no, don't put this out. Now I still get paid, but I give them the opportunity. And that's only happened, I think, two times that the company said, no, don't put it out. It was the same company because both of the products I thought were terrible. Like they were really bad. And I didn't want my personal brand soiled by having me lie just because they paid me or just because they gave me something for free. And when I had that integrity, this is the craziest thing that happened. They asked me to do more. Hmm. Yeah. And I was like, well, and that was good because then I said, Hey, I'm actually doing some, some stuff for your, one of your competitors. I don't have time for probably the next 30 days. And they're like, great. Can we give you an advance? Hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. And then it, <laughs> and then it motivates you to stay yeah. on target. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. So if somebody's listening right now, they're thinking to themselves, okay, how do I, where do I even begin with this? I mean, is it, is it the things that they love to use as far as products and the, the, um, I mean, is that the natural place to, to start where it's like, yep. Hey, if I'm a painter or I'm a, you know, visual artist in some way and the materials that I use, whoever's making the, the brushes and the pens and the, all the stuff, is that, is that the natural place? 100%. Um, you know, like for instance, when, when I first met you is because you drew me up on stage and I was like, Whoa, that is so cool that guy needs to be repping every like digital pen or writing pad or anything. And that, and that's like what you should do. But we've had, I've, I've had so many conversations with people who are like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not in that world. Like uh, I was talking to a travel agent recently and he was saying, you know, Hey, what do I have to offer to a brand? I thought it'd be a good idea, but I don't know, even know what to look at. And I'm like, we well, always have really cool shirts on. Like, where do you get your shirts? Oh, well, I use this brand. Like, this is my favorite brand of shirts. They're just really expensive. I'm like, I bet if you tagged that brand on all of your posts that they see that shirt and you send them a nice message saying, hey, I really love your product. This is what I do. Is there an opportunity that maybe you'd want to do a promotion together? You don't have to ask for money necessarily at first, especially if you're small. But if you build that relationship and they see value because you're a customer, so you believe in what they do already. It's a no-brainer for a company to want to work with you, at least maybe even just reshare your stuff. And then you look legitimate because you have a brand that is 
sharing your stuff. And then you can use that as more leverage. So, you know, if, if you're like, like with you, if you're on stage speaking, I'm looking at what shoes is he wearing? What kind of clothes is he wearing? What microphone is he using? All of that little stuff is an opportunity for you to get a brand deal and help grow your brand in turn with it. Mm, yeah. It's funny because I don't think most people think about that stuff at all. It's just background for them, right? Yeah. Yep. And it's how I make a, a, a pretty big chunk of my money. Mm. But it's it, so much fun too. And it's authentic. Yeah. Well, and is, is there a certain like, um, personality or wiring that you need <laughs> to be able to do? Cause obviously, like you said, you know, you're, you're a performer, you're, you're big, you're, you get a lot of energy. If somebody's more like, Hey, you know what? I'm shy. I'm introverted. I don't know that I could ever navigate that kind of thing. I mean, what would you say to that person? Sometimes I think they're better to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes working with somebody like me, that's really in your face, that's love or hated, but never ignored is not always the best person for a brand. Um, because I am going to say what I feel and I am going to be loud about it. And sometimes being the loudest person that might not like something is not the best thing for your brand. So if you are somebody that is shy or just not as confident in that ability of either speaking or talking about it, think about what your strengths are. So if your strength is, okay, I'm really analytical, good, dive in on the details of what makes that great. Dive in on the core values of the company that makes that product. Like, what do they do for outreach? What is their charity? What Every company has some kind of charitable thing they do, or they should. And if you focus on that and you tell their story through your medium, that's how you don't have to be the, the stage presence person. You can, be, you, you can be yourself. You just have to identify what you are. And that's the the other, really, there's a lot of first steps. And I think branding is identifying who you are. Yeah, yeah. And I love that you said, you know, you pretty much said it, make it about them, right? Because mm -hmm. so often, especially as creators, we're thinking about us because we're like, I'm interested in this. This is my creation, you know, come and buy my thing, right? Um, <laughs> that's, the, that's the whole thing. But to get out of that mindset and to be like, how can I use my creative talents to actually uplift somebody else and tell somebody else's story or invite them into a story? Um, that's a much different place to come from. Yeah, I agree. And because of that, I think that's what scares a lot of people off. Hmm. Um, but everybody has value. And I'm not just saying that, oh, you've got value and the, the, the typical like motivational speaker thing. Every person has some kind of value they can add because hopefully everybody in the world is passionate about something. You don't have to be like uber passionate, but there's there's things like, you know, the average neighbor, maybe they like gardening. Okay, what's your story with gardening? What made you like that? Like for me, music is because my family and how I grew up. So it's an easy thing for me to find brands with music. It's not a problem. But if people are like, well, why do you have all these gaming deals? I don't see a lot about you being a gamer. And I'm like, well, I really love gaming because it's the thing that lets me disconnect from music. Sometimes when you work in the music industry or any industry that is also your love, you do it all day. And the last thing you want to do is go be creative with that when you're off. So for me, games are the thing that kind of turned that off. And I used that 
with what I already know to start working with brands in the gaming industry. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And it's a more holistic approach, right? Because it's you as a person, your interests, where things overlap and not simply trying to force like, oh, well, this is what I do creatively and maybe for my job. And therefore these are the select group of people that I can approach for sponsorships and partnerships. You know, it's thinking outside that. Yeah. And the other thing is just really when, when you get rejected, cause you will get rejected is don't take it to heart. They are running a business. If, if they actually respond to you and reject you, that's actually a good thing because then it's an opportunity to still thank them for their time, for their product, for what that product means to you. And what I've done, I've gotten no, I, I wouldn't say I gotten no more times I've gotten yes, because I've definitely been um, successful with getting the yes for brand deals. But on those no's, I take that as an opportunity to give them more value. I will, and, and it's, it's that conquest too, of like, I want to win. So I will actually promote them more and show that this is why I should work with them. And then every now and then that person I had contact with, I'll send them an update. Hey, check out these posts that I did. You know, I just, I still just love what you guys do and build that relationship and that demeanor with the company. And a lot of times they're going to come around because maybe it was just a bad timing. Maybe in that quarter, they didn't have extra budget to work with you, but maybe coming up they do, or maybe they can't afford that $10,000 a video influencer and they need something now and they've got a $500 budget and they call you. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's probably another thing where people, they have to be more intentional about the follow-up and about the organization around the things they're trying to do. Um, because it's not simply a one and done, right? It's not simply just, Hey, let me shoot one email. And then I got this and great. Now we're off to the races, right? It's a nurturing that happens, right? It really is. Mm. So are there like maybe some quick tips that you can give somebody if they're like, okay, you've piqued my, my curiosity, Derek. Um, I, I would like to do this. Maybe I've identified a couple of companies that I'd like to approach. How do I know who to approach in that company or even where to begin for contact? Yeah, of course. And I do have um, a freebie that, you know, I, I can send out as well that um, actually I'm, I'm embarrassed by this because I was so excited talking to you about my freebie and like I spent way too much time doing it. And you're like, oh, I make those. I was like, wait, I know you're a graphic artist, but I'm thinking like only drawing. And then yeah. then I was like, wow, Derek, you didn't do the things that you coach of like doing your research. So that that comes full circle of do your research and that research to finding the right person at the company is LinkedIn is great. Look on the social medias for all of those pages. Look at press releases. Google is your friend and look up like marketing or influencer relations or artist relations just kind of depends on what your niche is, but usually like something with that influencer and marketing relations kind of title is what you're going to want to look for. And if you have questions about who it is, ask them, ask somebody at the company. And one of my biggest tips in the freebie, and then I've also got a video on YouTube about how to get endorsement and brand deals is don't add someone on social media just for the ask. Mm. Like you cannot LinkedIn is one thing you can do it a little bit more, but like, don't find them on Facebook and then be like, Hey, I think I need your products and uh, send me free stuff and give me your money. Like that's, that's horrible. So um, when you're looking to reach out, do your research, 
absolutely do your research. Hmm. So, and you said that, you know, it's, it's people that have had even smaller followings um, that you've, you've helped get established with brand deals. And is there a certain thing that people should keep in mind as far as, okay, what would make me successful in these deals? Yeah, I think defining what success looks like to you is the first step. Is success only getting money from that company to do it? Is success just getting your first brand deal, whether it's because you already own the product and they're like, yeah, we'll reshare your stuff and we'll we'll work with you. So when you set those expectations of what success looks like to you, it, it's going to make it a lot easier because then you can also focus your ask to them. You're, you know, if, if your goal is to make $500 per post or per video or whatever it is you're doing, you want to have that mind of like, okay, I'm going to approach this company. What am I doing that's worth $500? And when you can do that and you say, hey, um, here's what I propose. This is what I'm going to do for you. Um, or the, yeah, I always say like what I'm going to do for you is like, I'm going to make two posts on all of my social media platforms. Those are going to be short form reels. And then I'm going to do four stories on my social medias that are really quick, that are going to go away after 24 hours. And I'm going to make one YouTube video and I've got a 30 day turnaround for all of those. Here is what I would like in return. Is this something that fits into your budget. Mm. Always end it with a question. That's good always, advice. always, always end with a question. That's a very salesy kind of thing too. Um, another good opportunity is if you're cold emailing, don't put your ask first, just kind of slightly like ask if there's interest. And then if you get that interest and you do the ask, you're, a good question is let's jump on the phone uh, does Tuesday at 10 o'clock work for you? Mm-hmm. Give them a very specific time. It's a very specific day. Even if that time and day doesn't work, what's normally going to happen is they're going to say, no, Tuesday at 10 doesn't work, but how about Thursday at four? Mm-hmm. Because you didn't ask them, is there a good time or what's, a, you know, would you, could we jump on a call? No, you didn't ask that. You said, how does Tuesday at 10 work? Right. So be specific as, as much as possible. Of course, even if the time yeah. is completely irrelevant to you, it's it's asking that question because now you've thrown the ball in their court and you're letting them respond versus just a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to feel like they're a part of the conversation. Yeah. Is there a certain amount where you think, OK, um, there's a tipping point at which you can't, you know, if you get the ball rolling and you have all these different deals and sponsorships going on that you're like, okay, what's a sweet spot? Or does it depend on anybody's capacity and in, in particular situation? Yeah, that it, it's definitely your capacity and then what you're offering. Like right now, I'm, I'm definitely stretching myself too thin, but I'm also giving those deadlines to the companies that are a little bit longer. So if I meet them early, good on me. That looks even better than them. Um, I just had one this morning where... Um, I sent them a video a week early and they're like, wow, we have this before the holidays. Like, this is really, really good. Um, is there another video that you could throw together and we'll pay you for it? And I'm like, ah, so I went from already having the deal to picking up a second deal out of it because I delivered early, but I didn't, I, I sold my expectation that it was going to take longer. Mm. So over deliver, definitely under promise over deliver. What about somebody's 
objection to say, well, I don't have the equipment that I need to do this, like professionally speaking. I mean, do you need that? Can it just be your iPhone or your, your, you know, whatever equipment you have to a certain degree? The video I've made the most money on on my YouTube channel is one of the worst qualities I've had. And it's about how I made my 50 inch touchscreen. I didn't have any relationship with the brand. I just did it on my affiliate marketing and I've sold over 400 of the frames that it took to make that. Now guess who's offering to pay me to do another video. <laughs> and because of that, because I just hit record and I just did it as authentic as I could do at the time, it put so much more of the negotiating on me now where it's like, they're like, Hey, we want to work with you. And when that happens, that's when you really start getting some steam because when you get a call to shots and they're doing the ask, that's a really great feeling. And then you can ask a little bit more extreme stuff. Like with that deal, I was like, Hey, um, I noticed that you make touch screens for like slot machines at mega casinos. Maybe I could get a couple of those and see if I can integrate it into my setup. And they're like, yeah, we could totally do that. Like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought that would work, but it did. Yeah. And that's creativity at work too. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. yeah. And it was kind of fun. It was like, how far can I go? Like I didn't yeah. ask too crazy and I didn't be like, well, I need $30,000. No, it was realistic, but it was also like, Again, I did the research in their company. Hey, I noticed you have this product. I don't have that. I think yeah. it'd be cool to, to try to use it. When you show that you know their products and what they do, you're making it easier on the person that you're talking to to be like, yeah, I don't have to coach them. I don't have to teach them what to say. They already know. Mm, yeah. I love that this conversation is leading to possibilities and to maybe getting people to think differently and to go, oh, you know what? I didn't even realize that this was a thing. And now that I'm waking up to this, I'm thinking about, oh yeah, what could this make possible? Um, so I love that we're having this conversation right now. I love that right now as people are listening, some ideas are, are firing and people are getting interested to go, I need to explore this more. Um, and obviously it's not for everyone, but I think even the fact that sometimes people may think like, oh, I thought that this was just like a job that somebody had someplace that was working for a company. Like I didn't realize that like actually anybody could do this kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And everybody thinks that you have to be this mega influencer online. And I was getting to the point at my last job where I was really avoiding those people because it was so expensive mm. and really it, I wasn't getting a lot out of it. Yeah. It get a lot more views, but the the conversion rate was really really low versus somebody that has a smaller following and they're very passionate about it and they're talking about it more willingly without me coaching them i was getting more turns out of smaller creators yeah yeah and not to try to be like i am not a 20 something year old girl with a big wide brim hat you know, doing modeling on my, right? <laughs> That's not me. It's never going to be me. And so I need to embrace who I am and then mm -hmm. figure out how do I show up in those places with being authentic to who I am and, and again, serving, right? Yeah. Well, and I, that actually brings up a fun thing. Like let's brainstorm here, like on the air when people are listening that you have not prepared this. So I'm going to okay. ask you, what are three things, three products that you could identify with that possibly might fit into your brand that you could work with. 
Yeah. So most readily, uh, and I don't even know if Apple does this, but you know, it's my iPad, right? Because that's the thing that I use most when I'm live sketching an event. Um, you know, I'm using my, my iPad and the, the Apple pencil. Um, and that whole ecosystem is really where all the magic happens for me. Um, so that would be one. Another would be, um, probably the, the program, the app that I use for, um, creating a lot of that. And there are actually two, one is called sketches and the other one's called procreate. Um, and so those with, again, without those, um, it would be a very different experience for me using, uh, that the, the hardware, and then also having a different, uh, result, if you will, if it was a different program. Um, and then beyond that, um, I think it's not necessarily something I use in my day-to-day uh, workflow, but it's really something more of a personal connection. And that's the Moleskine notebooks, uh, you know, for journals. And I go through a ton of those because I journal a lot. And um, that's something that helps me just show up as me, you know? Yeah. So here's like just boilerplate right off the bat. I would say Apple's a hard one to obtain because they're massive. And that's not always the case. Even if they're huge companies, sometimes they do work with smaller creators. I would still pitch it to them. Hey, this is what I do. Send them your portfolio because it's beautiful portfolio. Um, but I wouldn't spend a lot of time on it. But I would immediately go on something like Amazon or just Google search, like drawing devices for tablets. Because there's a million of them that are out there that are really great for controlling things. Uh, I know a lot of graphic design people use them. A lot of visual design people use them for video editing and audio editing. And there's like 4,000 companies that are out of China that are competing because they're pretty much the same factories, but they put different labels on it. If you reach out to all five, like say you reach out to five of them and you have a little bit different pitch, don't ever do a canned pitch. That's one of my big things. Make it personal as much as you can. But if you reached out and said, hey, I would love to test this. This is what I do. I think your product would really fit in well with what I do. You're probably going to get three out of the five. I bet right now. And you're going to get you'll probably get paid to do it. And then you're also going to get some cool free product that you can test out. And then the last one that I would do is look for those software companies because software is an easy in for brand deals because it doesn't cost them anything to give you software. It costs absolutely nothing. It's way easier than getting a product. And then if you like it, you're going to share it. You're going to get an affiliate link or whatever the deal is that you work out. So if I were you, I would immediately go on Amazon, type in like digital sketch pads. I, I actually just did it. Uh, while we were sitting here and I found like all of these different digital sketch pads that are like around anywhere from 50 to $500 and find some that you think that would be great for you. And, and I know people are like, well, Derek, why are you telling us stuff for Mike? Like, this is how I do it for everybody. This is how, if somebody tells me what works for them, I figure out what products they can align themselves with because alignment is a huge thing is always having that vision of what this means for you. Mm, yeah. Love it. Yeah. So I, I'm your case study. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing. And, and people like, I, you know, I've never been afraid to give away information on tips and stuff, how to do it. And people are like, well, then why would anybody hire you to do coaching or want to do your course or anything like that? 
because you can always get better. But if somebody gets to the point where they don't need me, they get so good at it, they're going to start coaching and they're going to tell people, Derek taught me how to do this. I just got really good. And hopefully if, if you're a true teacher, you want your student to become better than you. Yeah. And that's what I want for everybody. Like I want you to get so many brand deals and such good, maybe not so many, but such good brand deals that you start telling everybody that asked you, Hey, Mike, I saw that you, you got the, all the new iPads because you're working with Apple now. Like, how is that? How did you do that? Here's how I did it. Here's how you can do it. And that is what an influencer really is. Mm. Love it. It's about teaching. It. It's about yeah. teaching. Yeah. And you know, one other point on the whole information sharing thing, even if you do share information, uh, sometimes people aren't ready to receive that. Mm -hmm. And just because somebody understands the information doesn't mean they're going to act on it or even, you know, they're looking for that next piece of like, hey, I need somebody to help walk me through this at a deeper level than just simply having the information that, you know, maybe out there someplace, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Oh, man, this has been so good. Uh, I'm glad we did this today, Derek. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we fought through the uh, the technology issues. And yes, again, like, yes. I think that adversity says a lot because like I have that anxiety of people aren't going to hear my audio as good as possible because that's what I do. But fighting through things is so important. And being a creative, you're going to have hurdles every day. Like I could have just easily said, you know what, Mike, my stuff's not working. Let's do it another day. But I wanted to do this. this. I've been looking yeah. forward to this. And I think as a creative, don't make excuses of why you can't do something. Never, ever let technology be the reason you can't do something. So when you asked that question, it was perfect. Just hit record. Let your videos suck. Like, let them be bad. Let your audio be bad. Just get it out there. It's going to work out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. Um, so in closing here, where can people find you and where can they find this freebie? I'll put some, you know, put the link in the show notes, but just so people have context. Yeah. If you go to thederekfrank.com, it actually takes you directly to my link tree. Um, I found that that has worked a lot better for getting brand deals of having a very concise location versus searching a website. And at the very top, you can join my mailing list. And when you join the mailing list, you get the freebie for free. Um, here's the cool thing. The freebie has a lot of great information, but most of it is on my YouTube channel as well, which there's a link in there on how to get an endorsement deal. So if you are one of those people who doesn't like being on email list and doesn't want me to blow up your email and you're just not, you just kind of want to test the waters of what I have to say. I said almost everything from my freebie in my video on endorsement deals. Awesome. Perfect, man. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you so much for just sharing your journey, sharing your process, your, your thoughts on this, your experiences and, you know, all that to help other people because that's, um, man, that's, that's a kindred spirit right there. So I appreciate that. Well, and I appreciate you and, and the friendship and, um, you know, the, the support that you've given me since I met you, you didn't have to give me any support and uh you've been a great part of the community and really the drive to make me do what i want to do mm, awesome well we rise together right man definitely awesome well thanks again for being here thank you so much thanks for listening today i'd appreciate if you would subscribe leave a rating and a review it really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others